Hello. Our gospel lesson this morning is from the gospel according to Matthew, chapter 22, verses 15 to 22. Then the Pharisees went and plotted to entrap Jesus in what he said. So they sent their disciples to him, along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are sincere and teach the way of God in accordance with truth and show deference to no one, for you do not regard people with partiality. Tell us then, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, why are you putting me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. Then he said to them, whose head is this and whose title? They answered, the emperor's. Then he said this to them, give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's and to God the things that are God's. When they heard this, they were amazed, and they left him and went away. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, holy God, who is all that is, who is within every single one of us, and who therefore can show no partiality. Remind us of that. Remind us of who you are, O God, so that we may remember and know who we are. We thank you for this word. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for this life and this community and this breath. Now may you put into my mouth the words you would have me speak and take from my mouth those you would not. Amen. So as Stephanie mentioned at the beginning of worship today, today is Reformation Sunday. So it's that day when we celebrate a little over 500 years ago when Martin Luther took his 95 theses, 95 statements, 95 proclamations against the institutional church, and he nailed them up on the door of the institution itself. And he said, these are lines that need to be drawn. We need to call out, we need to call in, we need to point to the ways in which we as an institution have gotten out of line, out of alignment with what God has called us to be. And with a text today, I confess, as I sat with this text, I've actually been sitting with this text for a while, because it's one that always kind of feels a little elusive to me. Like, I confess, I'm not entirely sure what the fullness of the message was. And I appreciate it happening on a day like Reformation Sunday, because I'm given myself grace to be able to move through and to figure out what a text means now and what it meant then. And this text is particularly tricky because I'm trying to understand both what Jesus is saying, but also understand what 
the response of the Pharisees and the Herodians is. So this is, you've got the Jews and the Greeks together. You've got the religious establishment and the, the, the Greeks, the empire, showing up together here to challenge Jesus. And throughout the scriptures, throughout the scriptures, you have, this is a very common thing. You have people who will come up and who will challenge Jesus. They're trying to test him again and again and again. And I always appreciate the way in which these arguments end. And I always feel like the way in which they end is telling of, some, of something about how the communities, how these various communities would have responded to what Jesus is saying. So you have these communities that are represented here by the religious establishment and then the Greeks. And they leave amazed. And I think that's telling. Because I'm like, that's the thing that always gets me about this passage. They don't leave frustrated, they don't leave confused, but they leave amazed. And I'm like, what does Jesus say that's so amazing? Does that make sense? Are y'all with me so far? Because it's one that I feel like as we're trying to understand it, because they start off by saying, you show no partiality. It doesn't matter, this or that. They're trying to trick him. They're trying to say, are you loyal to Caesar? Are you loyal? Are you going to do what you need to do as a citizen of this place? Or are you going to give to God? Like, what are, what are you going to do? Or how do, you, how do you pay taxes? I'm sorry, pardon me. I really appreciate this community, y'all. I appreciate very much being able to sit up here and to say, this text is confusing for me. Like, I don't know that you all, as I've been watching this community, and I'm pivoting right to the end right now, but throughout this, I'll come back, don't worry. But as I'm watching this morning, it feels helpful to name that I have already seen so many evidences of the way in which God's grace shows up here within this community. From the beginning when you're doing a sound check, you start making announcements, you're just living into the life of the community. You make a sound check, then you're kind of playing the background. Immediately as the sound check ends, you do a countdown so that Kenna can start playing A Mighty Fortress Is Our God from the organ. You all, I continue to say as we go back and forth and back and forth throughout all of these changes that are happening in the world and all of these changes that are happening in this community, that you here within this community have absolutely everything you need to get through the turmoil of this time and of the future that's coming. And I'm going to come back to that. But I want to go back to the text just to prove to you that I can. Just kidding. <laughs> what I think is amazing, and this will come together, I promise you, but what I think is amazing about this text and what I think catches the amazement of these groups together that are here to challenge him, they don't have words to respond, is that what Jesus is saying here is that he is completely unintimidated by this conversation. He's like, you are trying to come in here, and you are trying to divide me, and you're trying to use money to do it. And I am telling you, I am not going to have it. I am not going to be divided. Show me this money. Take a dollar out of your pocket. Say, okay, this, this has to do with this. Give to Caesar the, Caesar the taxes that are there. Give to the emperor. Give the things that are necessary for upholding these things. But ultimately, what I am concerned about is that you give to God what is God's. So Jesus is saying here, there are certain things that you do pay to uphold the systems which we are living in. And yet ultimately what matters is how you give your money. Yes, ultimately what are you giving to God? So there are certain things that you have to pay, certain things that have to uphold and sustain. And for most of us, we still have other things that we can pay for. Jesus is not saying your money doesn't matter. 
Jesus is saying how you spend your money matters. And ultimately, Jesus is saying you need to be able to invest this money in what you value and what you hold to be true as a beloved child of God. This is the same gospel where Jesus said, where your heart is there too, your treasure will be also. So he is saying, do not try to divide me by saying that this is an all or nothing thing, because it is not. Now, I think it is worth then saying, as you pay your taxes, as you pay those things, are those things doing what they can to uphold you or who you are called to be and who we are called together to be as children of a beloved God? Because there are times when we do need to say, is this where I want my money to go? Does this align? And that's where we get back to Reformation Sunday. Because as we look throughout the history of the church, the movement of the people of God, the movement of the spirit within and among the people of God, there are times when that message, that power, that spirit of God seems to exist more outside of the institutions than we cre- that we create than it does inside those institutions. And so what happens in those times is the spirit said, I've had enough. I'm going to come in. I'm going to reform what's going on here. Now, reform is a really nice way of saying, I am going to completely turn inside out, transform in ways that you cannot possibly imagine everything you know to be true about who you are as a child of God and of this universe. Reformations are not comfortable. They are not pretty. They are not easy. Because they so often challenge everything we know about ourselves and about who we are in relationship with everyone else, and by extension, with God. Now, there's no way those conversations, those kinds of transformations can happen without questioning how we live in the world. And how we spend our money is one of the biggest ways that we live in the world, that we make decisions about how we are going to live in the world. So a reformation will necessarily bring about a reevaluation of how we spend our money in the world. And it should. Because we are currently living in a world where so many of us, we have been taught so much about the ways in which money rules our lives. This is not about your values about money at all. Money rules so much of our lives that it makes it impossible for us to live a life of flourishing either because we have enough that we're afraid that we're going to lose it, or we don't have enough and we're not having our basic needs met, or we have so much, what I found is that the more you have, the more afraid you are of losing that money. So we need a reevaluation of how we spend that money. So often we carry so much shame about the way we think about money that we don't even know how to have conversations about it. So saying we need to reevaluate it can bring up a lot of fear and anxiety. And then we want to hold on to it even more. And we want to mistrust others. And we want to say these other people are a threat to me rather than these other people are a part of me. These other people are me. And money is one of the easiest ways to tear us apart. It is one of the easiest ways to drive us into scarcity thinking. As I mentioned a number of times, until March of this year, I had been unemployed without a full-time job for about a year and a half. And I will tell you that there is nothing quite like being without a job for an extended period of time that can drive you into very 
new conversations about your relationship with money. And it was interesting because during this time period, I had a moment where I realized I needed to start thinking about money as energy in a particular way. Now bear with me on this. It's like it's something that comes and goes. The value is different. It doesn't matter. It's, it's different right now than, the, than it was at the beginning of this sermon, the value of a dollar and what that means. It varies. It ebbs and flows. It's something that we decide has a certain amount of value. But in that moment for me right now, I was buried in anxiety about how I was going to be taken care of, which is a very real anxiety. And yet when I started thinking about it as energy, I started looking at it and relaxing about it. I started being more open to conversations about new forms of employment and opportunities that may come my way. It was in one of those very conversations right here at the back in the, in the streaming room that Jen said, do you have any interest in doing interim work? I said, absolutely I do. And I knew that I was going to be in that step. And that, was a, that was a year ago, actually, right around now. But what was interesting was that I would give away more money during that time period than I have in my life in a lot of ways. Somebody's asking for money, I'm like, here's a 20. I have a 20, I'm so excited to be able to share it with you. Let me share it with you. I have no idea about who or what or how much money I gave away, but I know that I was taken care of every single step of the way. I know that I had not only my daily bread, but my weekly bread provided every single day. It's been interesting as I've had more steady income in the last seven months that I've gotten nervous. Do, can I give someone this $20? It's been interesting to find within myself that scarcity mindset. What is it about it that when I have more, then I'm more nervous about sharing with those who have less? That's been a good challenge for me. Where we spend our money matters because where we spend our money shows where we are investing our energy. Not just physical energy, but our energy. Where we are displaying our values. As we begin this sort of journey at WPC through stewardship season, it feels relevant that this is the conversation that we're having as well. I've been recently looking into the Matthew 25 initiative, which is in the denomination. It's a denominational initiative that is that I'm getting nods, that you all started conversations around and then COVID kind of happened. And I'm not going to go into that right now, but one of, they look at three different things. They look at eradicating systemic racism, poverty, and then, and then maintaining vital congregations. And what they talk about when they talk about vital congregations, whether or not you identify a congregation as vital, is whether or not the neighborhood or those who use access to the congregation or to the building would miss the congregation if they closed. It's not about what happens on Sunday morning, which is striking, because the worship will continue to happen. But what so often is communities, congregations, will stay completely disconnected from the world around them. So then all they have is what they do on Sunday morning. And then they don't know what to go back to because they don't know how to let that spirit move in and through Sunday morning. Y'all have already got that. What I love about WPC, and I want to lift this up, is that if you were to close tomorrow, can you think of the 90 children who would have no place to go to school? Can you think of all of the 12-step programs who have found so much grace and wholeness in the basement under the fellowship hall? Can you think about all of the people who would not have food on a Tuesday who come here? They'd end up going to Helen, and then she'd have more, and that would be not good. That would be a whole mess. Can you think about all of the people who would, the folks who come for rain, right? 
those ministries are vital. You may discount them because you don't see worship in Sunday morning in the same way. Worship on Sunday morning is going to continue to transform. And thank God for that. Because what that means is that we get to cultivate worship on Sunday morning in a way that feels good for us, for y'all. What do we need at this time in so great a turmoil? But as you give yourselves the trust of knowing that you are vital, you are vital. You stop worrying so much about whether or not you're vital. Because it turns out the 90 students who are paying actually support financially the life of this congregation. You start putting your energy there. And you've done that faithfully for years. And then the abundance shows up. It does. There have been years of scarcity. Yes. Will there be again? Yes. How do you find scarcity? Will there be years of financial scarcity? Realistically, yes. There have been in the past too. And you know what? You're still here and vital. And where you invest your money matters. But mostly, what I want you to take with you is that who you are in this world matters. Where you invest your energy matters because you are a divine gift here just by existing. No matter which position you play on the team, no matter if you even play on the team, no matter if you even like sports, how would you live your life if you truly believed that the image of God within you is who you truly are at your core. How would you invest your money? How would you invest your energy? And if you knew through all of that that you would be held, that you would be taken care of, because I'm telling you right now, you will be held. You are held. You are taken care of. Always. Amen.